everyone. Welcome to On the Environment, the podcast from the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. I'm Jenna Vigras. And I'm Charles Harper, and we are master's students at the Yale School of the Environment. Today, we're speaking with Tatiana Schlossberg, who recently moderated a panel at the launch of the paperback edition of A Better Planet, 40 Big Ideas for a Sustainable Future, a book edited by the center's own Dan Esty. Tatiana Schlossberg is an award-winning journalist and former New York Times science and climate writer. Her book, Inconspicuous Consumption, The Environmental Impact You Don't Know You Have, about the unseen environmental and climate impacts of the internet and technology, food, fashion, and fuel, won the Rachel Carson Environment Book Award in 2020. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us today. So um, if it's okay with you, we'll just get into some questions. Yeah, sounds good. Great. So um, during the panel that was uh, last week um, about A Better Planet, you mentioned a quote that we thought was great. Um, You said, we shouldn't feel individually guilty, but we should feel collectively responsible. Climate change, as as we all know, can feel overwhelming at times for an individual, but your framing did feel very empowering. So I was wondering how people can act on this more empowering framing. How does that translate into our everyday lives? Um, well, thank you for, for having me and for, um, quoting me. Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, I think that as I've been doing this work that, or, you know, in, in my book and in my other journalism about the effects of consumption, um, I think people have been made to feel guilty or made to feel ashamed of what they have done, even if they didn't know that there was some kind of negative climate or environmental impact. And I think, I don't think that that's kind of a motivating feeling. I think it makes people really just think about themselves and kind of turn away. Um, And, you know, as opposed to understanding that, you know, we were all born into a world that uses fossil fuels and to, you know, in America anyway, into economy, an economy that um, is focused on consumption. You know, that's really how our economy grows. And, um, and so none of that is really anyone's fault, <laughs> but, um, but I do think that, you know, once we know that we have a responsibility to do something about it and that, you know, it might be changing your own behavior, but it might be, you know, voting or it might be organizing, um, to help other people vote or getting involved with a conservation organization. And I think that there are so many different ways to be involved and to be interested in this topic that don't really have to do with, you know, how bad you should feel about, you know, eating red meat. Um, so or, you know, or, or whatever else it is that you do. So, um, you know, I, I often say that because I, I don't, I, you know, having observed, uh, people responding to my work and kind of just doing the reporting, um, you know, I don't think feeling guilty really motivates anybody. And I also think that, um, it's really difficult to have, you know, to change the world with, your personal consumption behavior. Um, but really to kind of, to focus that outward and to work together, I think is really the best option that we have. Great. Thank you so much for that. Um, so last year, your book came out in conspicuous consumption, the environmental impact you don't know you have. Can you tell us more about what you mean when you say inconspicuous consumption? Um, sure. <laughs> Other than it being a kind of catchy, although difficult to say title. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, I started to feel once I 
kind of uh, began reporting on consumption and, and becoming interested in it, especially with something like the internet that I felt like, even though I'm somebody who, who cares about this topic, um, I really had no idea how um, kind of all the effects of different activities and, um, uh, you know, like streaming video or different products like blue jeans and, you know, how they connected to kind of these larger phenomenons of global climate change and environmental degradation. And so um, I think it's really easy for most people to think that those sorts of things have no impact at all, or they don't kind of extend beyond the boundaries of our own home or, uh, you know, our own lives, but really they do. And so I wanted to kind of bring all of those consequences to the fore, um, not to make people feel guilty, but to understand, um, that, you know, whether or not we know it, we're implicated in a system that is perpetuating these problematic dynamics of climate change and environmental, you know, degradation and pollution all over the world. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the part of it that's inconspicuous or the part of it that's, you know, you don't know you have, um, it's really hard to find out the impacts of your stuff. <laughs> you know, I had to write a whole book about it. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, I think people, again, like feel guilty based on something that they didn't know that's also intentionally obscured from them by the people who make a lot of our stuff and kind of the complicated, um, economic and, um, uh, global systems with, you know, through which, um, a lot of our stuff is produced. And so, um, you know, I wanted to make it conspicuous, I guess, so that people wouldn't be able to ignore it. What motivated you to write the book? Have you seen that there's been an impact on readers or were you hoping to have any sort of impact, um, once it came out? Um, you know, I was motivated to write the book because I thought, again, you know, there was so much that I didn't know. And when I learned it, it was so kind of fascinating and disturbing. <laughs> and I thought other people might have the same kinds of questions that I did. Um, you know, I think as a journalist, you, um, I mean, you, you hope that people read your work and do something with it. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not hoping for any specific impact. I, I don't have like a activist agenda in that way. Um, but I, you know, I do hope that people really understand that even a book that's seemingly about consumer goods and consumption, um, you know, it's that maybe seems like, well, I mean, this book is kind of about everything, but, um, but it sort of shows that climate change is about everything and that it's implicated in, you know, everything that we do, um, because we all live on a planet and most of our actions have some kind of impact, whether it's material or, you know, energy, um, and so I, um, so I, I hope that people will understand, um, that climate change can't really be relegated or pushed off as like a science story or an environment story, that it really is a story about everything. Um, which to me makes it so interesting and so important and makes it open in a way, you know, there's so many different ways to be interested, whether you consider yourself a science and nature and energy person, or you're somebody who likes fashion and, or cares about food. You know, there, it's really, it's a, it's about all of those things. It's about people and culture and history. And, um, you know, I, I hope that people take that away from the book as well. Yeah. So based off of that, um, seeing as how climate change is related to kind of every portion of our lives, um, but that it's so hard to see those impacts. And um, the, what motivated you to write this book is uh, to kind of make that connection to all of these um, very difficult to see 
um, connections to our actions with climate change. So uh, I was wondering, you know, what are some of the ways in which we can make these impacts more obvious to consumers and bring consumers more into the conversation and motivate to them to take action um, on this issue that impacts kind of like every consumer decision we make? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, so much responsibility has been placed on the consumer in a way that's not really fair because we don't have the information to actually be able to make a good decision a lot of the time. You know, one of the things I wrote about in the book was um, just how much water it takes to make a single pair of blue jeans. So growing like a uh, two pounds of cotton uses about 2000 gallons of water and making that into a pair of blue jeans can use an additional 2,900 gallons of water. But if I'm in the store and there's, you know, one pair of blue jeans that uses whatever, almost 5,000 gallons of water and one that uses much less, like that's usually not made clear to me as, as a consumer. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think that all of, you know, while of course our individual decisions matter because they, everything, you know, everything counts. Um, but I do think it's, it's a lot harder to get, you know, 300 million people to do something than it is to, um, you know, kind of change the marketplace so that, uh, different kinds of decisions are not possible. Like if you think about light bulbs, if all, you know, if we have, if all of the light bulbs on the market are efficient, it's not up to the consumer to make the decision about which light bulbs to buy. Um, so I think that, um, for people to focus their efforts on, on government and on corporations to, um, either kind of regulate um, these products differently and, and what kind of environmental standards we are going to allow or else for, you know, companies to, be more transparent about their impacts to have better labeling so that consumers can make a better choice. Um, I think all of those things are really important and that would make, you know, a much bigger difference than the three of us, you know, trying to remember to bring our own bag to the grocery store and that kind of thing. Yeah. So lots of countries, as as you mentioned, do have different environmental standards and if maybe production or consumption is being outsourced to another country that has different rules than here in the United States? Um, is there an environmental justice lens here or um, just the fact that maybe our consumption is causing pollution in another community? Um, is, is there a question of justice in that? Definitely. Um, you know, I think there are environmental justice implications to our consumption here at home, um, you know, whether it's energy or waste. Um, and there, those similar dynamics exist between, you know, the United States and, um, you know, emerging economies or, or countries in the developing world. Um, and, you know, one of, I think, you know, I, I write in the book about, um, like clothing in particular that's produced in China and how much kind of air pollution, um, that, that produces and, um, how it worsens the air quality for people living over there. Um, but pollution in China eventually comes back to the United States across the Pacific ocean. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think, um, we often, we often think a lot about like how to, well, is anything possible if a country like China isn't, um, you know, kind of playing by the same environmental rule book that we are. But I think we have to acknowledge our role in that. Um, and it, of course, it's not just China. It's a lot of, especially our clothing, it's increasingly Vietnam and Bangladesh and Indonesia. Um, and so the the stuff that we want <laughs> to buy, um, you know, makes life materially worse for people living in those, in those places. And I think, um, you know, we need to 
acknowledge that and account for that in different kinds of international agreements or, um, you know, corporate standards and, uh, and things like that. So I, I think that's certainly a part of it. And I think especially, you know, um, if you think about something like air conditioning, um, you know, like 90% of homes in the U S have air conditioning. Um, you know, it's like, there's like in the hottest parts of the world that are only getting hotter about like 8% of homes have air conditioning, but you know, we're currently like part of these international agreements that are making air conditioning more expensive because of the certain chemicals that are, um, in air conditioning that have a warming potential in addition to the energy demands. But, you know, um, not only are those parts of the world getting hotter because of actions that, that we've taken with our, um, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, but, um, also we've marketed a lifestyle to the rest of the world. Um, and so I think we have to be accountable for that also. So, you know, I think between countries, it's often, um, kind of in the realm of like intergovernmental policy, which can feel very distant and abstract. But I also think, um, you know, we, as individuals in the same way that we might have, um, you know, be implicated in systems of environmental injustice here at home, we should recognize that that many of those dynamics persist throughout the world as a legacy of, you know, colonialism and imperialism as well. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few times that, um, you know, there are actions that people can take outside of just changing their consumer behavior and that it is um, often unfair to put this guilt and burden on the consumer to like fix these problems with their own individual choices. Um, so I'm wondering if you could suggest a few things that people can do that are outside of um, consumption. You know, a lot of activists mention um, this CDP study saying that just 100 companies have been the source of 71% of global carbon emissions. Um, so I'm wondering if you could suggest a few ways that individuals can engage with climate change um, in this, uh, important area. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point. And, um, I think, you know, that study, um, I mean, I, I think it might make some people feel like they're let off the hook, but I, I think it also just goes to show, um, that a lot of what we've been told about, you know, like recycling and, you know, like I mentioned before, bring your own bag to the grocery store. Like these are things around the margins that just aren't going to cut it if 71% of carbon emissions are coming from a hundred companies. Um, but you know, we're also oftentimes consumers of those companies. And so we do have more power than we think. Um, and I think, you know, some of the ways to do that, um, are to kind of leverage your, your role as part of a community. Um, and I think I know that it can feel, um, Although probably not to the people who are listening to a podcast from the Center for Environmental Law and Policy, but, um, you know, voting might not feel, I mean, it might not feel like um, anyone's listening <laughs> in, the, in the government. But I think, you know, especially staying informed and um, involved at the local level is really important since so much um, climate and energy policy takes place at the state level. Um, uh, so for us in the in the U.S., that that actually really can mean a lot. Um, uh, you know, I think thinking about, um, you know, the companies that you shop from and what kinds of behaviors and corporate action you want to support. Um, you know, for me personally, this past week, I've seen nothing but advertisements for prime day, um, and, uh, for, from Amazon and not just from Amazon, but like 
every single media outlet saying like, here's how to shop best on Prime Day. Maybe like take a second and think about whether that's <laughs> the kind of behavior on a corporate level that you want to support. Um, and um, again, that, you know, I think that is also an individual action, but it's a different kind of individual action than maybe just, um, you know, like changing uh, a little bit about your consumptive behavior. So, um, and I think, you know, just most, I think only about a third of Americans, um, say that they talk about climate change at all with friends and family. Um, so talking about this issue, I think really makes a big difference because once people do talk about, um, climate change more, they're more likely to consider it a risk and to support policies to mitigate it. And so, um, again, that might not seem like the same kind of individual action that we've been told is important, like recycling, but um, it actually really makes a big difference because, you know, we need to bring everybody along um, because this is a problem that implicates everybody and affects everybody. And so um, we need to try everything. And I love that using your community to expand your impact beyond the individual level. Um, so we will close to just one final question. What would you tell someone who's just started paying attention to the environmental or climate impacts of the, their consumption? Um, are there any first steps they might take? You mentioned a few things like getting informed, talking to others. Are there any mm -hmm. other priorities? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think um, all those things apply. And I, I know that also people do want to change things in their own lives just because either um, – they, they care. And it also is a good remedy against feeling powerless. And, you know, when there's not an election coming up and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, for me having learned what I learned and I'm sure for you guys too, like it can be paralyzing to go to the grocery store <laughs> or try to figure out what to do when you do need like a new pair of, uh, jeans or something like that. So, um, I think, uh, you know, trying to try to pick one thing that you care about, um, and do that. And once you do that one thing, then, um, it will make it easier to do other things. So if you care about plastic pollution, you might want to think about how you can reduce, um, you know, plastic waste in your own life. And, um, and then maybe it'll make you make it easier to think about riding your bike. Well, not that anyone's going to work, but, um, you know, if, if we ever go back to offices and things like that, um, you know, doing that on your commute. Um, so I think, you know, I always say to just try to try to pick one thing um, and and that may make it make you remember why you're doing this all in the first place and make it easier to do more things. But I I do think that these, um, you know, collective actions are really the most important place that we can all um, leverage our influence. Well, thank you so much. So, um, again, this is Tatiana Schlossberg talking about her book, Inconspicuous Consumption. Thank you so much, Tatiana. Thank you. Thank you for having me.